The Chet Topic Podcast Network. Two Angry Men. A podcast featuring a legendary baseball player and a legendary sports broadcaster. Two Angry Men. And now here's your hosts, Chet Cobbick and Denny McLean. Let's say you and I talk about credibility for a moment. You know, you just don't reach out and say, I own credibility. Credibility is what I'm all about. Credibility is something you go out and you have to earn. That's what American Taxi has been all about for nearly four decades. That's right, nearly four decades as Chicago's largest suburban taxi service. People in Winnetka, Kenilworth, Barrington, Arlington Heights, Glen Ellen, whatever the case may be, they know about the excellence, the unmatched level of courtesy when it comes to American Taxi. That's why... You know what? You really don't have to sell American Taxi because over the years, American Taxi has really been selling itself by always being courteous, always being prompt, always getting you to your destination with a feeling that you're safe as you can be. Hey, you people out in the suburbs, remember AmericanTaxiDispatch.com. AmericanTaxi.com. Very simply, they're unmatched. There is no need for a limousine, whether it's the airport Hey, whether you want to go shopping or go see a loved one who might be hospitalized, always ride an American taxi. Why? Because they have earned their credibility. Welcome once again to uh, Two Angry Men. Yes, we have uh, Mr. Uh, Motown himself, Danny McLean, the former 31-game winner up in uh, Detroit. I'm Chad Kopic here in Chicago as uh, Mr. McLean and Mr. Kopic debate the issues which are uh, biting the uh, backsides of sports fans from border to border and coast to coast. Well, Denny, what can I say about Tiger Woods that hasn't been said by roughly uh, oh, 240 or 250 million people in uh, China alone? On Friday, he is going to address the media. However, it's not going to be the media. It's going to be a very select group of individuals. Uh, I've heard some talk that Arnold Palmer may be in the gallery. Uh, his agent, Mark Steinberg, says definitively, this will not be a press conference. I am telling you that Friday, after this is conducted, the public will dislike Tiger Woods even more than they do right now. Well, I think you're absolutely right, because if he's going to grace the setting with Arnold Palmer and some other golfers, he's making a big mistake. Number one. Number two, I have learned this big duck and pony show is nothing more than Tiger is going to introduce some new products. He's going to introduce some kind of a new vibrator for putting. Uh, he's going to introduce condoms that glow in the dark and glow during the day, and he's going to introduce his film screenwriter who is doing an X-rated movie on all of his affairs. So it's going to be quite the Friday, and listen, it's despicable. Uh, he's not going to even have a press conference. It's absolutely despicable. Why this jerk-off doesn't want to do the right thing and let everybody know about the mistakes he's made. We've all read about them. It, it can't be any worse than what people are creating. Like, we just created just a moment ago this press conference to announce products. He's got to get off his ass, quit trying to hide. He's going to try to hide in public now. That's what he's going to do. If there's such a thing, he's going to try to hide in public. Very, very well said. What he's trying to do right now, Tiger Woods is actually trying to uh, physically hide in public. In fact, uh, Denny, reading uh, directly from uh, the Associated Press, Steinberg described the gathering as, quote, a group of small friends, colleagues, and close associates. Tiger, it can't get any worse, as McLean just said. Stand up, do the mea culpa, ask for forgiveness, and say, you know what? There may be more to come. I have an issue. 
It may be phony. It may be legit. I'll let you be the judge. I'm a sex addict. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, Denny, on Friday, the media, especially the poor guys who are up right now in the uh, slush in Vancouver, they're going to be falling all over their computers to, uh, to burn holes into Tiger Woods. Chet, let me give you some information. Uh, you know, I, uh, Arnold and I, Palmer, uh, well, he's still represented by Mark McCormick, but um, I was represented by McCormick for a number of years, too, uh-huh. and got the opportunity to play golf with Arnold a number of times because we were represent, represented by uh, Mark, uh, uh, well, God, I forgot his name. McCormick. But the McCormick. Bottom, yeah, McCormick. But the bottom line is this. Nobody... This is what's kind of it's crazy about this. If, if this is exactly what's going to happen, Arnold Palmer is going to be one of the friends that are sitting there. Listen, with all due respect to Arnie Palmer, there was no bigger party animal in the entire history of the PGA Tour. Arnold has got records that will never be broken, even by Tiger. I mean, Arnie put him away. Arnie laid him down. Arnie hit him with a one iron and whatever you want to call that little thing. He hit it with the one iron on a daily basis, too. And it's kind of ironic that they would use Arnie Palmer, and those of us who know all about Arnie's history, they would allow this to happen. Because you know what's going to happen? Somebody will jump up, just like I just did, and say, Arnold Palmer, you've got to be kidding. This is the last guy in the world who went for a poster child. You know what, Denny, what's really funny about this is this. I'm sure you've heard of the legendary writer Dan Jenkins. Covered golf for years and years for us. Sports Illustrated, great golf writer, great football writer, uh, prolific novelist. Lester Munson, the legal expert from ESPN, and I were uh, chatting it up about uh, two weeks ago, and we thought to ourselves, you know what, can you imagine the book that Jenkins could write about the uh, about the off-the-course activities of Arnold Palmer? In fact, Lester said, you know what, Jenkins probably would write the book right now. There's only one problem. Dan and Arnold are such good friends, Dan wouldn't have the heart to write a true story about Arnold Palmer, which would shock the American public. No, there's no question. Listen, there was no bigger party animal than, than he. Uh, oh. There were a number of guys in that group, but uh, Arnie was uh, the leader of the band, as they say, the leader of the club, and Arnold knew how to do the thing, and um, he had a great time. Listen, nobody nobody cared at that point in time in anybody's life. It was a part of the boys being boys, but no longer are the boys being boys with all these video cams hanging around. You better be straight as an arrow. And you better never make a mistake. And we all make mistakes. You just have to be lucky not to get on camera. Now, let's let's move on to uh, Mr. McGuire. He reported to spring training finally. He said, boy, what a good feeling this is. Um, you know, I, I just can't get over this. I can't believe the Cardinals hired him. Uh, Bobby Knight endorsing him and a bunch of other guys. Um, I, 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 I'm having a tough time with this one. Um, you know, there are some apologies to be made to people all over the world, including the Maris family. Um, his dealer, the guy who injected him with steroids, steroids any number of times, said he had a special concoction and goes on today in one of the St. Louis papers to describe the concoction. Hell, it, it, I don't know, it could have killed him, for God's sakes, if you, if you read between the lines. But McGuire wanted the hardest, quickest, Toughest stuff he could put into his body injection-wise, and he gave him the biggest, then the fastest, and the strongest injections that he'd ever given anybody else is what this uh, the drug guy who was running the whole operation says. He says the bottom line is the guy wanted to be a mountain. You know what? 
Chet, he became a mountain, didn't he? You know what, Denny? Uh, here's what I find to be very ironic. Uh, let me uh, let me bend your ear here for a moment or two. Number one, uh, I find this to be almost laughable. McGuire reports down to uh, the Cardinal uh, uh, training base in Jupiter, Florida, and says uh, he's hopeful that uh, the issue will subside very soon. I got news oh, yeah. for you, Mark. It's never going to go away. That's point number one. Point number two. Very quietly working behind the scenes with Mark McGuire, I always wondered what Tony LaRusse's angle was, and I wondered what the Cardinals were finally going to do, given the fact that you know, you know the Cardinal family did not want Mark McGuire. This was purely the hire of Tony LaRusse. They've sure. gone about, they've gone about hiring Ari Fleischer, who is now tied in with IMG. So, oh. very quietly, Fleischer has been orchestrating the return to baseball of Mark McGuire. Now, he was visiting with Jim O'Donnell, a good friend of mine with the uh, Chicago Sun-Times the other day, and lo and behold, we begin to find out who was McGuire's first interview done with. Well, hello, Denny. Guess what? It was done with Bob Costas, and Bob Costas just happens to be an employee, or uh, represented, rather, by IMG. This whole thing... This whole thing has the stench of fix. This whole thing has the misery of the Bush White House. Ari Fleischer, who used to be the White House press secretary, is now orchestrating the uh, uh, the return to good graces within the uh, structure of the American public of Mark McGuire. You know what? Gag me. Well, not only gag you, but uh, it's interesting also to know, I don't know if you know about this uh, at this point, but the first public appearance he made after he announced that, uh, you know, he was a steroid user like nobody knew, he got a standing ovation walking into yeah. some facility yeah. Yeah. Uh, in St. Louis. I, I don't know where everybody's, maybe people really don't care about the steroids. Maybe they were just absolutely mesmerized by these long home runs he was hitting and the number of them he was hitting, but, you know, um I don't know how they're going to handle it eventually over time for history. Maybe baseball, knowing the way they are, they very seldom change anything. And maybe they will just allow this to go into the next century. And sooner or later, people will forget about the the sins of these guys and how they rewrote the record books, but they did it totally illegally. I mean, you got Selig. I mean, this is the biggest joke of all time now. You got Selig, the the commissioner. He's put a committee together now. Of, of Listen to this now. Tony LaRusso, Jim Leland, Tori Sosa, or not Sosa, but uh, Shosha, the uh, catcher with the Dodgers. And guess who else is going to be on the committee to help baseball fix its problems? George Will. Oh, you know, I, I, I saw that. Can you, can you explain this to me? Can you explain to me why baseball is mesmerized by George Will? He is a Washington political pundit. His job is to make fun of... Uh, Bush, Barack Obama, uh, the Democrats, the Republicans. When, when did uh, George Will become a combination of Babe Ruth, Kennesaw Mountain Landis, uh, George Steinbrenner, Bowie Kuhn, Bud Selig, and, and Jerry Reinsdorf? I mean, you know, for heaven's sakes, Denny, what, what am I missing in all this? I don't know, Chet. I, I have never been able to figure this one out. It's... Um... I, I don't get it. I, I I can't phantom. I mean, you've got like I said earlier, you got Bobby Knight endorsing Tiger Woods. Uh, you got Bobby Knight endorsing Mark McGuire. You've got Tony Larusso endorsing everybody who wants to uh, kiss him on the ass. Um, I don't get George Will. I have never. Yes, he's written some columns on behalf of baseball. Yes, they call him in only to keep him on their side because they certainly don't want George Will. 
to take him apart every other day in the in the Washington papers. But right. with all that being said, who the hell could George Will hurt? I mean, what he's a pimple on a goat's ass when it comes to writing ability. I mean, he's really not a a, a colorful. No, talented guy. He's lasted because he was a part of the old crew years ago, and that's the only reason he's still on the air. He's got tenure. Uh, uh, so, so here we find ourselves with uh, Major League Baseball once again, um, embarrassing itself in the great scheme of life, embarrassing itself in the big picture. But let me ask Danny McClain this question. You own the Detroit Tigers. Mark McGuire was playing for you 10, 12 years ago. You knew very quietly that he was using steroids. He was using HGH. If you knew, if you knew, but nevertheless, this guy is providing you with a long ball. This guy is paying customers. I maintain Denny McLean would not have said a word, because I'll guarantee you, Chet Kopic would not have said a word. The owners don't care, Denny. If there are guys out there right now, if there are guys out there right now on designer roids who can stay a step ahead of the testers, the owners say, Go for it. And, you know, uh, if you get a player, and I'm not going to divulge who this player is here in Detroit. I ran into him recently. Uh, he was telling me that, because uh, I was joking with him, and we were sitting there having a cup of coffee, and, and I said, uh, I said, man, that, that, and I used a different word, starts with an S. I said, that, sh- that uh, stuff's all over the league again. And he looked at me, and he says, boy, is it ever. It's better now than it was ever before. Absolutely. Now, listen. Absolutely. You know, I, I mean, if the world knows it. And see, this is what gets me. You know, this thing with McGuire. When this big investigation was going on in the early 90s and they busted 75 guys, Mark McGuire was the first major league player that they found out about. Yet baseball said, please don't prosecute Mark McGuire. How they delayed all of this information that they finally brought forward, I think about, and, and maybe this is too far, too deep, I think about how many kids have died using steroids because the FBI and others didn't bring this forward in the early 90s. How many kids could have been saved? How many how many adults could have been saved? We'll never know, Chet, but I'll guarantee you one thing. If it's more than one, it's way too many. Hey, Danny, I'm making a book right now that Barry Bonds will never do a day in jail. Here is a guy who lied to the grand jury. I mean, it's right there in black and white. He lied to the grand jury. Nevertheless, John Ashcroft Ashcroft wanted to bring Barry Bonds down in the worst way. However, his term in office uh, came to a close. He was replaced by, uh, by a Latino individual who saw Bonds as being nothing in the way of a priority. The case has lost strength with the progression of time. I'm telling you, Bonds will never wear the suit. Bonds will never spend a day in jail. Yeah, but let me tell you why it's lost some of its oomph. Uh, it's lost some of its oomph because there were a number of issues that had to be appealed. And I, being a part of the system at one time, understand the, the appellate process. And that's what slowed the case down. They had all kinds of things the judge had ruled on, and most of the stuff was against Barry. Uh, Barry was about to get blasted and, and racked and hung by the, at the guillotine. But uh, fortunately for him, he's got a lot of money, a lot of attorneys, and they were able to convince a judge to give him enough time to take some of these issues up to the appellate court, get them heard, and then get a whole new position. And hopefully, listen, like every defendant in the world knows, the more time that passes, the better shot you have. And uh, the more time is going to go on and on and on here, but the bottom line is I disagree with you. I think he will see a jail cell. I think it will only be for a couple of months. He won't learn anything from this. But regardless of anything else, if you're a true baseball fan, you you do not want to ever use the name Barry 
Bonds. You don't want to use the name Mark McGuire. There's uh, Sammy Sosa, all of these guys, because they brought such disgust to the game. They really did. Now, let's get to the Olympics, my friend. I love them. I think it's the greatest thing in the world. I think this is much better than Summer Olympics for one reason. These kids are more individualistic than the teams that play in the Summer Olympics. I love it. I I just love the way they go at everything. Um, And uh, we had an awful start to these Olympics, the young man who got killed. Uh, You know, what I don't understand about the young man that got killed is this. Right away they blamed him for being a bad pilot. But what, what really gets me is, who could who who designed this race course? Stevie Wonder. How could you not put? But how how could how could they not go ahead and and protect these guys in the luge coming around the corner at ninety five miles an hour? How could you not have something on those steel bars? Hi, I don't understand it, Denny. Denny, first of all, I guarantee you this: about five million dollars from now, the IOC will be asking itself the same question after it. Uh, uh, dishes the payout to the to the family members of the young yeah, man who sure. died. First of all, you know what? I I I don't want to sound anti-American. I'm not. I'm as patriotic as the uh, the next guy. But when we win a gold medal in snowboarding, as was the case the other night, I I don't feel like standing up and uh, singing "God Bless America" or or the Star Spangled Banner. First of all, I don't even know what the hell snowboarding is. Number two, with all due respect. Tell me anybody you have ever met in your 60-plus years on the planet who gives a damn about luge. The Winter Olympics, you take away figure skating, maybe hockey, maybe alpine skiing. What do you have? What what the hell are well, the Winter Olympics? Let's, let's hang, hang on here a second, Chet. Uh, you got Ono. I mean, what an athlete he has become on, in this speed skating and this small track. The snowboarding thing, I think it's great entertainment. And as far as the ice skating, eh, you know, I, I guess we all like to see the girls dance in those little outfits. I, I think that's, I, I know that's the only reason I watch it. Take, take, take but, away the tight butts with the, with the chicks on figure skates, uh, yeah. and then the rest of it's a waste of time. But you know what bothers me about – I love watching it. I love the competition. I love the sense of the competition. I love the idea of winning something for your country. Now, uh, now I, I slam everybody because I don't believe that very many of these people who are representing the United States give one damn about representing the country. Not that they're oh. – you know, not that they don't love our country. Don't misunderstand me. But there's so many unbelievable eagles – egos in this in this uh, Olympics of, of U.S. kids, I feel like they're all spoiled. It's almost like watching um, uh, the Idol early in the week, for God's sakes. You talk about egomaniacs. These kids think they're all Frank Sinatra in his prime. And, and the bottom line is I have a real problem with the egos of some of our athletes. It, as a matter of fact, I said this to my wife the other night, if you interviewed these people, for 20 minutes, get 17 different people over 20 minutes and ask them the same questions, and you took the word I out of their vocabulary, you'd have 18 minutes of silence. I, 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 I beg to differ, and here's the reason why. Why are these kids selfish? Why are these kids, you know, why, why is a kid like uh, Apollo Ono thinking about Apollo Ono? Why did, um, why, did, why did Mark Spitz think about Mark Spitz? I don't think Mark Spitz took any great sense of pride in winning for the U.S., but, Denny, here's the thing. Look at look at a figure skater. They start training when they're six years old. These kids are training eight hours a day. They have no logical life because their parents are all stage door parents. So when, when they finally get the opportunity to compete on the international level on the highest stage, if they happen to win a medal, who can forgive them if they think to themselves, I want my endorsements, 
I really don't care about winning for America. I want to win for me because these guys are working a hell of a lot harder than NBA basketball players are working. Oh, no, no, there's no question about that. But, see, I I just don't think that, like you just said, I just don't think they're into defending the flag with, with the spirit that, that we're all looking for. How many people have you seen now stand up there on the podium, our kids who have won a gold medal, and bring tears to their eyes. I don't recall one yet. Not this year. No. I could, I may have missed one, but I haven't, I don't recall any at this point in time. It used to be such a great moment when one of our kids would win a gold medal. They would cry. I mean, you'd get goosebumps watching it and listening to the music. That's all come and pass, my friend. No longer do they go crazy representing the United States of America. It, that is something we have lost over a period of time. And the reason we've lost that is because we've spoiled our damn kids so much that if, that the word I, the word I is what's killing these, these kids when it comes to their egos. I mean, it's all about them. It isn't about team. It isn't about the country. It isn't about the state they live in. It's all about them. Danny, the guys who are getting killed in this whole deal, in this whole so-called bargain, this uh, uh, barrel of uh, fun up in uh, Vancouver, try NBC Television. They oh, bid, bid two-plus billion dollars to win the rights to this sucker. When Rupert Murdoch and Fox bid about 1.3, ESPN wanted to do kind of a, uh, a collective revenue-sharing deal. The projections are NBC will lose well over $200 bucks on the Olympics. Think about oh, that. So at the end of the year... Shareholders are going to get their heads handed to them. They're going to be executives who are going to pay with their heads. The bottom line to it all is NBC. I mean, you want the big, outright, complete, thorough loser in the games. On a creative level, it's NBC by knockout. Well, I'll, I'll tell you something else, too. And, and I'm not going to sit here and disparage everybody at NBC. I've got a lot of good friends there. But, uh, you know, I just don't believe the quality of the product that they have delivered. I'm talking about the talent on the air. I'm not talking about the athletes. I'm telling you, the quality of the person on the air today isn't there anymore. You know, the Howard Cosell, the one-liner, the two-liner, the, the story, the history. The, Jim McKay. The, yeah, they're not there anymore. They're just not there. It's so black and white. Well, here comes Bob Gibson from St. Louis, Missouri, to do his luge. Let's watch Bob go down the luge. Isn't that what it's all about now? There are There is no intimacy anymore, and that's what these games have lost, the intimacy. No, now, Denny, they rely on all these little you know vignettes and features to sell the athletes. Instead of taking a guy who had the brilliance of Jim McKay, who lived for the Olympics, just just thought that covering the Olympics was the greatest gift that God could ever give him, who was who was a master at orchestrating you from event to event, or a guy like Howard Cosell, the, the entire old-fashioned ABC family. That's gone. It's been replaced because program directors think that if you don't give the housewife in Cheyenne, Wyoming, a vignette about the figure skater, she'll tune off and watch Desperate Housewives. Absolutely. I, I would, too, by the way. Now, listen, because I like that little one. Boy, do I like that little one. Boy, I tell you, she brings back my oh, fastball. Tell me about it. Oh, she oh. Ever. Now, listen, one last thing before we have to run on our way. Um, you know, I hate to end the show with this, but Brett Farr is coming back. That's all I've got to say. Brett Farr is coming back, and uh, we might as well start crucifying him now because – 
He gagged it, Ned. I'll never forget it. But I'm telling you, folks, Brett is coming back. All right, I'll That's tell you what. You you better watch him. You better watch him with a really, really, you know, strong vision in 2010 for one reason, Denny. It's going to be the last chance you're going to have to see him quarterback until 2011. <laughs> I'm telling you, the guy will be around until he's 73. And by the way, even when he retires at 73, if he does, he'll have played 13,440 straight games. He's never going to miss a game. He's, this guy does not want to miss a game. And you talk about a guy that's, you know, listen, he gives you this good old boy stuff and this and that. Brett knows what it's all about, doesn't he? Doesn't the old boy Brett know what it's all about? Brett, Bart, Bob, Bill, Tom, Dick, Harry. He knows what it's all about, and the guy is living every moment. Oh, it's, but, like, uh, uh, it's, like, it's like Matt Damon talking about Teddy KGB at the table in the movie Rounders. He's the one oh, yeah. guy you don't want to fuck around with. Yeah, that's exactly right. Hey, my well, friend. The old clock on the wall says it's time for you now to uh, end this uh, unbridled hilarity. Mr. McLean, we'll talk to you in seven days, my good friend.